Chapter Six of Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter Six. Marthy was horrified to see how her mistress arose from the couch where her husband placed her, fall on her knees beside it, and burst into wild, tempestuous sobbing. "'Lor, Missy Hagar, lor, honey, don't cry so, don't, honey!' Hagar suddenly arose, caught her by the shoulders, and turned her toward the light, minutely examining the black skin, crinkled hair, flat nose, and protruding lips. So might her grandmother have looked. "'For mercy's sake, is you sick, Miss Hagar?' cried the girl frightened at the strange glare in the large dark eyes but hagar turned away without replying marthy hurried down the stairs my soul mammy she cried as she burst into the kitchen miss hagar done gone clean destructed once more hagar crouched upon the floor she felt like writhing and screaming only her tongue seemed paralyzed she thought and thought with agonizing intensity vaguely as in a dream she recalled her stay in rose valley and the terror of her childish heart caused by the rough slave-trader could it be true or was it but a hideous nightmare from which she would soon awake her mother a slave she wondered that the very thought did not strike her dead with shrinking horror she contemplated the black abyss into which the day's events had hurled her leaving her there to grovel and suffer the tortures of the damned her name gone, her pride of birth shattered at one blow. Was she indeed a descendant of naked black savages of the horrible African jungles? Could it be that the blood of generations of these unfortunate ones flowed through her veins? Her education, beauty, refinement, what did they profit her now if, horrible thought, Ellis, her husband, repudiated her? Her heart almost ceased beating with the thought— and she crouched still lower in the dust of utter humiliation then she rose and walked about the room it was crowded with her wedding finery she touched an article here and there with the solemnity that we give to the dead they were relics of a time that would never return to her she examined her features in the mirror but even to her prejudiced eyes there was not a trace of the despised chattel one blow with her open hand shattered its shining surface and the pieces flew about in a thousand tiny particles she did not notice in her frenzy that the hand was torn and bleeding then she laughed a dreadful laugh first silently then in a whisper then a peal that clashed through the quiet house and reached the sorrow-stricken man in the silent library he shuddered but did not move he could not face her yet aunt henny and marthy stood outside the locked door and whispered to each other missy hagar done gone mad she paused an instant in her ceaseless promenade about the room beside the dressing-table where her husband's picture reposed in its nest of silk and lace she paled and shuddered could she expect him to forget all his prejudices which were also her own slavery its degradation the pining and fretting of the negro race in bondage had always seemed right to her although innocent of cruelty to them yet their wrongs were coming home to her in a twofold harvest yes ellis would give her up he must it was his duty only this morning she was his wife the honoured mistress of his home to-night what his slave his concubine horrible fatality that had named her hagar 
Somewhere she had read lines that came back to her vividly now. Farewell, I go, but Egypt's mighty gods will go with me, and my avengers be, and in whatever distant land your god, your cruel god of Israel is known, there too the wrongs that you have done this day to Hagar and your firstborn shall waken and uncoil themselves and hiss like adders at the name of Abraham. Then she gazed once more upon the pictured face, with the strained look we place upon the face of the dead before they are hidden from us forever they brought the child to the door and begged her to open it she heeded it not let it die it too was now a slave the night passed it was dawn again there were sounds of life from the house below some one came slowly up the stairs and paused at her door then ellis's voice sounding harsh and discordant said it is i hagar she opened the door she nerved herself to hear what he might say the sense of her bitter shame overpowered her, and she shrank before him, cowering as he closed the door and stood within the room. Twice he essayed to speak, and twice a groan issued from his white lips. How could he bear it? She stood before him with clasped hands and hanging head as became a slave before her master. How changed, too, he thought. A blight had even fallen upon her glorious beauty— he who had always upheld the institution as a god-given principle of humanity and christianity suddenly beheld his idol stripped of its gilded trappings in all its filthiness then in his heart he cursed slavery hagar i have bought you of that man walker he will not annoy you again she did not speak or raise her eyes ellis bit his lips until the blood ran in the effort to restrain himself for her sake I have thought the matter over, and, much as I wish it might be otherwise, much as I would sacrifice for you, I feel it my duty, as a southern gentleman, the representative of a proud old family, to think of others beside myself, and not allow my own inclinations to darken the escutcheon of a good old name. I cannot, I dare not, and the law forbids me to acknowledge as my wife— a woman in whose veins courses a drop of the accursed blood of the negro slave still she stood there motionless ellis was in torture why did she stand there like a forlorn outcast in stony despair speak he cried at last for god's sake say something or i shall die then she raised her eyes to his for one fleeting moment i do not blame you you can do nothing else he moved a step toward her with a smothered groan. "'Dearest, dearest,' he whispered, and the tone of his voice carried in it his unshaken love. "'Do not, do not,' broke from her white lips, and with a smothered cry of agony, her reserve broke down, and she flung herself upon the couch face down. Ellis went to her, and knelt beside her with his arms about her. Five minutes must have passed while they communed in spirit— there was no sound but the girl's hysterical sobbing. "'I'm going away,' he said at length. "'I cannot stay here and live. I may never return. But I shall leave you amply provided for.' Then he rose to his feet and rushed from the room. She heard his footsteps echoing down the empty corridor and pause before the door of the nursery. Ellis loved his wife devotedly, but the shame of public ostracism and condemnation seemed too much for inherited principles. An hour passed. Once more Ellis resumed his measured pacing in the library. The clock ticked slowly on the mantel, but the beating of his heart outstripped it. He could not follow the plans he had laid out as the path of duty. 
his visit to the nursery had upset them parental love love for his innocent wife was too strong to be easily cast aside the ticking of the clock maddened him it seemed the voice of doom pursuing him condemning him as a coward 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 he could stand it no longer once more he mounted the stairs to his wife's room hagar i cannot do it we cannot alter the fact that we are bound by all the laws of god and man for better or worse i have thought it all out and i have planned a way it is impossible she said in quiet despair you cannot overcome this fearful thing that has fallen upon us i myself think and feel as you do it is enough i accept my fate oh no 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 do not say that yes alice she repeated her face like snow in its pallor hagar you do not know what you are saying you love me and i love you as my very soul how were we to know how could we tell therefore having committed a sin in innocence if sin it be and i do not so believe it for things appear in a different light to me now we will together live it down surely heaven cannot fix the seal of this crime on us for ever the supplication of his voice his speaking eyes shook hagar's heart so tired and worn with emotion her eyes were full of compassion as they rested on him her lips firm and cold i love you ellis you know that and by that love although i am your slave and chattel i know that your love demands not for your wife but honour the force of circumstances cannot degrade you cannot change your chivalrous nature great heavens you misunderstand me i have no hope no life apart from you and i hold you as i cling to salvation my love my soul listen hagar i have a plan bending over her he rapidly outlined a plan of life abroad they would be remarried and sail from a northern port for europe there where the shadow of this crime could not come they would begin life anew he had mapped it all out carefully and as she listened she was convinced it was feasible it could be done neither of them noticed that the door was ajar neither did they hear the light footfall that paused beside it it was st clair walker was right we must stop that game he muttered to himself end of chapter six recording by irie